Into the Zeitgeist, the comedic research podcast, is funded by you. Thank you. If you want to learn how to support the show, go to patreon.com slash WDM1. Hello and hi. Welcome to Into the Zeitgeist. My name is David Waters, and I'm joined as always by my friend and colleague, Shannon. She needs some vitamin D, Boffman. <laughs> hey, Shannon, how's it going? It's good. It's good. I'm glad you came up with something for yeah. that. Yeah. You know, I was, I was thinking before, you know, I was like, what am I going to put in, you know, smashed in between Shannon's name? And I was like, you know, there's a vitamin in milk. It's vitamin D, obviously. That's what I just said. But, you know, I was Googling it and yeah. there was a Google search. Like one of the first that popped up was like, what is, what vitamin comes from the sun? And I was like, Okay, all right. Come on, people. Oh, <laughs> uh, lordy. Oh, I guess I should... Don't need to lie. Silence my phone. I'm, I apologize if anybody heard that little ding, but... Oh, same. Yeah. Uh, nonetheless, uh, for the uninitiated, Into the Zeitgeist is our bi-weekly comedic research podcast where we explore touchstones of the past and bring them back up to be talked about and shit like that. Shannon, how's your week been? It's been pretty good. Uh, uh, I wanted to, I know you usually do this on the movie podcast, but uh, I'm going to keep it relevant, but I'll ask you first, what have you been watching? Oh, me? So I finished The Sopranos recently. Um, oh, yeah, all of it? Yeah, yeah, I did. I watched the movie too. And nice. for those who are listening, um, this week we have The Sopranos going up. It's one of the bonus episodes. We're trying to do Tombstone, and it's taking a little <gasps> bit longer than I expected. So y'all get to hear that one for free out to the public. So yay. Righteous Simpsons? No, no, The Sopranos. Or I don't think it's called Righteous Simpsons. I think it's called The Many Saints of Newark. That's uh, the movie that goes along with did it. Did I not just hear you say gemstone? No. <laughs> did I say the register? Well, I was what? Have you watched that show at all on HBO? Yes, it's so funny. Oh my gosh, is that show hilarious? Oh my god, I love John so Goodman, funny. and so yes. it's kind of hard for me to. I'm a little biased. <laughs> And in fact, what's that guy? Is it Danny McBride? Is that his name? He's yeah, so funny. In it. I don't usually like him as an actor, but I think he's hilarious in this. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't know. I feel like he has a cult following. Um, really? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Because, like, people, like, swear up and down by that East Town or Eastbound and Down or something. Um, uh, I never watched it myself, but I heard either. people, like, are freaks about it. <laughs> All right, then. Yeah, what about um, you? So I started uh, Pam and Tommy. It's on Hulu. Oh, yeah? Have you heard about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doesn't it have, yeah. like, um, that dude from Parks and Rec in it, the Ron Swanson? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my God. What's his name? He's, like, one of my favorite actors ever. Uh, crap. It'll come to me, I'm sure. But um, <laughs> He probably did a Got Milk campaign ad. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, 
But it has Lily James and uh, Sebastian Stan as well from the Marvel Universe. Oh, okay. Um, which I feel so bad that I can't remember Ron Swanson's name right now. I literally, like, just read one of his books. Like, I listened to his podcast and it's like Nick, Nick Offerman. Nick That's Offerman, right? That is right because he does that. That um, it's not a. Is it a baking show or is it like a craftsman show? Oh yeah, the craftsman show with uh, Amy. Amy, Amy, what's her name? Polar. Polar. Pol- Polar. Is yeah. that how you pronounce it? Yeah. 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 I always thought that show was really funny. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, but anyway, so I've been watching Pam and Tommy, and it's so interesting to me. Um, I don't really know how much of this show is, like, true or not, but it's, like, Seth Rogen is this guy who, like, there's some kerfuffles between him and Tommy Lee, who is the drummer for Motley Crue, I think. I know he was in Motley Crue. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a good episode, I thought he was Tommy Lee Jones, because I tried to Google it. <laughs> yeah. That is hilarious. Um, and like for those who don't know tommy lee jones is the guy from men in black (laughs) yeah yeah um and i was like so confused for like because i was like tommy lee jones and pamela anderson like i was so confused and then i figured it out um they do it really good in like hiding the like facial structure of them yes i'm just like whoa like i didn't Um, think that was sebastian stan at all I know, I know, and and Lily James is whoa, she, hers is amazing. Um, but anyways, so Seth Rogen's also in it, and him and Tommy Lee have this kerfuffle, and Seth Rogen steals Tommy Lee's safe that has the sex tape in it, like that him and Pamela made, and so Seth Rogen figures out how to put it onto VHS and comes up with this plan to sell it on the internet, which is just, like, up and coming. Like, Nick Offerman's character is like, what are you talking about? Like, has no grasp on it. And, like, Pamela Anderson figures out it's, like, on the web. And her and Tommy Lee are like, oh, like, how big of a deal could this be? And they don't realize, like, just how quickly the internet, like, allowed this to take off. And... So it's so interesting when you think about that, like, in terms with what we're going to talk about today when it comes to, like, quote unquote advertising. Right. Um, I don't know. I just, I I was thinking about that earlier today. So. Interesting. Yeah. It's interesting to think about. Yeah. Because like you said, like this ad campaign was, I guess, primarily in the 90s, because while we were in school, we saw, well, I can't speak for you, but I saw so many ads for Got Milk. And it. I feel like even in high school, I, what was it? I graduated 2012. And so 20, 2009 is when I went into high school. I think that's when I saw the majority of it. And I, I think they won in high school. Yeah, yeah, and it's still going. So I don't know. It's interesting to think about like the internet, the comings ups uh, with it or whatever. So yeah, yeah. I I have a few um, 
of the ad safe because there are the silliest quotes of them and i want to talk about some of those during reminiscing rewind after you uh share your sin with us uh oh uh oh yeah so before we get into our sin i just wanted to remind everybody that uh <coughs> oh i mentioned it earlier the patreon um go ahead and if you want to show your support uh go ahead and subscribe we have some cool bonus perks uh you'll get a month monthly bonus episode for one buck for five bucks you'll get episodes two days early and then i believe it's 10 bucks for producer credits so go check that out over on patreon.com slash wdm1 also we have social media i'm not going to reiterate it here i kind of want to get into our purging our sense because i think it's really funny um so shannon i was I, i'm sure you saw this like i don't it is it is fact. It is fact that if you drink a gallon of milk, you're gonna throw up. Uh, have you ever seen I don't, that? Is it even impossible to drink a gallon of milk? Like I didn't. Like I saw some videos and no one could even finish. <laughs> yeah, <milk>. it's. <laughs> it is a lot to drink milk. It's like it like weighs you down, obviously. But I've never done it myself. But I had an equivalent story. Um, oh, one time gosh. we played this game called Chubby Bunny. Um, have you ever heard of Chubby Bunny before? Uh, no. Okay. Wait, does it, is it where you stick a bunch of peeps in your mouth? Uh, marshmallows in particular, yeah. We, so, uh, story time, we, we were at church camp, this was long ago, and we... It sounds like something that would happen at church camp. The, <laughs> <laughs> it's so straight edge, oh my gosh. But we didn't use the small marshmallows, so you're supposed to pop one in your mouth and say Chubby Bunny. And then you can just keep going and going and going until it's like an elimination game. And uh, we didn't have the small marshmallows. We had like the ginormous ones. You know, <laughs> it's so funny that we're talking about this because uh, we talk about Riley Howard a lot. I don't know if he's mm-hmm. listening to this right now, but he was with me when this happened. <laughs> uh, <laughs> him and I went and uh, we only had like the jumbo uh, marshmallows. And I feel like, I don't know, I would probably say like five or six and oh yeah like just the same as drinking a gallon of milk i went to the bathroom and it like just chucked it was not good not good (laughs) i do i that is not a memory i like i love (laughs) at all it's just it sticks out of my mind whenever we talk about these tiny like little games that people play like have you ever seen the um there is like where people put cinnamon on a spoon yes, and they stick yeah. it and they're like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's very yes. similar, very similar to that. And I, I just, I thought I had to share that because that's a funny story of mine. I think there's one with like crackers, which sounds really painful. Ooh. Yeah. 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 Like, I think you're right. I just don't know. Is it like Sprite or something afterwards? I don't or? know. Ooh. That sounds right. <laughs> Ooh, evil. All right. Well, Shannon, after talking about that, uh, let's go ahead and get into the Reminiscing Rewind. What do you yeah. remember about Got Milk or the goings-ons around it? So I think, I mean, I think all... Well, I could really associate with it is the ads. Um, I never really loved milk as a kid. Um, I'd drink it, you know, I wouldn't complain about it. Um, but the ads, I remember a Taylor Swift one that in particular as a Swifty sticks out to me. Um, and then 
Whenever we were like going to do this episode, I asked one of my coworkers and she remembered a Jonathan Taylor Thomas ad. And I thought that was adorable because she's just like a little bit older than me. So like right in that age group. Um, and then Daniel, my boyfriend, he uh, remembered a Mark McGuire. He's a baseball player. Oh. He remembered a Mark McGuire ad. And it's like so funny. He's like holding this baseball bat. And um, yeah, so I mean, I just, I remember the ads. I remember, because like back then too, like, I don't know about you, but I read magazines like a lot. Like I... Huh. was all about teen magazines, like makeup magazines, just like whatever kind of magazines I loved then. Like and I guess too, like I always thought I was gonna like be a magazine writer or something. I don't know, as a kid. <laughs> but uh yeah, so like I I just every magazine would have like an ad like that in it. Oh wow. I didn't realize that you were into magazines as much as you were. Yeah, and like at the doctor's office, you would read them. Did you ever Remember? take any magazines from the doctor's office? No, oh, I didn't. I would have. There's. A I point. always thought they were gross. Like <laughs> they had they had doctor's germ office germs. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good follow up <laughs> thought to that one. <laughs> there's. It's funny. I want to loop it back around in the Sopranos. There's this one episode where. Um, Tony like finds this magazine page. I think it has like cologne on it or something. You know, yeah. those ones that like folded. Yeah, you get the makeup I used to ones. Love just, those. Me too. Me too. I just like rub that shit all over my body. Yes. <laughs> uh, but he like magazine tore it out. He tore it out, <laughs> and, and there's not much more to it. He just tore it out and was told to put it back. But it's funny. It made me think of that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. Anyways, so. I, I don't really remember, like, a lot of Got Milk commercials. I really just remember, like, seeing we had the Taylor Sillage poster in school and then just, like, seeing ads in magazines. And mm. um, mm. But after you share yours, I do want to read some of the quotes that were on the ads I found. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. So, personally, me, I, I was an avid um, milk drinker, and... I love whole milk. Like, shit on me all you want. I love whole milk. It's just, it's the best. It's the best. But I know a lot of people like the almond milk, so I'm not I'm not here to hate. I'm just telling you how it is. But um, I remember in particular that, like, in our high school, that we would go in through our, like, lunch line, and right beside like, yes! the place that there was milk, like the little fridge or whatever, had a little, like almost like a printed ad that was almost as i think it was i think it was i mean they changed it but the one i remember in particular was two there was one that was michael jordan and then another one it had like um i guess a rowing team an olympic rowing team or something on it i remember that and uh, i i Every day, every day, I would go through the lunch line. I see that, and I'm like, "Oh my god, I fucking love milk!" And then I would get the chocolate milk. But <laughs> you know, there was a Taylor Swift one too. Oh, is that, that one of the ones yes, that got cycled in through? the lunch line? Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And th that's really all I remember about it. You know, it was very pervasive in pop culture, which we'll get into. But they had so many different celebrities and stuff like do ads like I that. Know. It's just like 
crazy. Like I was reading through it. I don't want to give too many away, but I am going to mention Tina Turner was in it. I love Tina Turner. And so anyways. Yeah. So I, I don't have the Tina Turner one, but um, I'm just going to read a few of these quotes that were on some of these. So Please. the Jonathan Taylor Thomas one, do you know who JTT is? Um, no, no, I do not. Jonathan Taylor Thomas. You no, don't know who I that mean, is. The name, Did you ever? The name rings a bell, but I don't. Did you ever watch Home Improvement? Uh, a little bit. He was the son on that. And then, um, did you ever see uh, the animated version of The Lion King? Yeah, yeah. Oh, does he play Simba? The voice of Simba. Okay, cool, cool. The quote (laughs) on his uh, Got Milk ad says, Sure, I'm young, but I know a lot about girls. (laughs) They don't even know. Oh my I can't even read this without laughing, y'all. Okay. Mm. It says, like, eight out of ten don't get enough calcium. Big mistake, but easy to fix. Just get at least three glasses of milk a day. It has lots of calcium to help bones grow strong. Of course, milk helps me, too. I look older with a mustache. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! I couldn't even get through that without laughing. Ooh, Jonathan uh, Taylor Thomas. He's a he's a handsome little fellow. Yeah. Um. Hang on, I'm going to come back to Mark McGuire's uh, quote. <laughs> Please. Uh, Taylor Swift says, uh, "Swift pick. In this business, you've got to be decisive. So I choose milk." Some studies suggest that teens who choose milk instead of sugary drinks tend to be leaner and the protein helps build muscle. So eat right, exercise, and drink three glasses of low-fat or fat-free milk a day. Music to my ears. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. That's funny. That's funny. And then the Beyonce ones. It's a picture of Beyonce and her mom, but it's weird because it looks like they're exactly the same age. Um, And it says, home bodies. Growing up, I always wanted to be just like my mom, so I drank milk. Some studies suggest that women who drink enough milk tend to weigh less and have less body fat than those who don't. So drink 24 ounces of low-fat or fat-free milk every 24 hours as part of your healthy diet and see for yourself. Who says father knows best? (laughs) What the fuck? That's so awful. You know what? (laughs) You know, I I hate to interrupt you on these quotes, but it's making me think of like each one of them said like to be like thinner or whatever, like I know to the like body image thing back in, back in the day. Huh? I mean, even now and it's like, yeah, there were a million different directions we could have taken this story. And I kind of hope someone else listens and takes it one of the other ways because yeah, this could be like a whole thing into the health and wellness industry. Like I didn't go that route, but Hmm. I could see how somebody could. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one last one and then I'm going to kind of just finish this up, but Mark McGuire's, 
uh, his quote says, oh, so he's holding this baseball bat. This is Daniel's memory. It's like his baseball bat and he's holding it and his arm is like literally a million times the size of the baseball bat. It's like wild. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. And his quote says, time for more milk. It's got stuff leading. Oh, it's got stuff leading sports drinks don't. Like protein, potassium, and calcium. That's why I always have an ice cold glass as soon as I get home. Um, and I just thought that was funny because I was like, is that a thing? And I found this article that was like, uh, carb protein based sports drinks don't really offer additional benefits in terms of performance compared to a carb-based sports drink, which is like what most sports drinks are. Um, huh. Like it's basically like um, it could, let's see. Um, protein drinks, in fact, like they're more likely to cause problems. Like when you're like, if you drink one right before a race or something like that, mm-hmm. um, it's better, like, maybe if you're going to do, like, some sort of marathon, like, really long race, but otherwise, I don't know. Milk isn't definitely not all that great for you. Oh, my gosh. It, uh, it's it's funny because that's those are just that's a few examples of it. And I, I wonder if they kind of stick with that whole slant the whole time. Like, did they... Uh, are you, are you were you reading these ads from like were they magazine ads or something? Yeah, yeah, those were all magazine ads or like also posters put up in schools and things like that. Oh, that seems like a lot to read. For, like, like if I was walking, th- if I was walking through the lunch, I like I I glance over that. I wouldn't even like pay attention. I'd just see the got milk and that the whoever pop culture figure it is and be like, okay, yeah. cool, got it, got the point. Right. <laughs> uh, I don't know, um, but those quotes were hilarious to me, and yeah, huh. I don't know. <laughs> that's funny well let's do you want to get into the thick of it yeah yeah so um i'm gonna go just a tiny bit into the background just because this is just another one of the many ways you could explore this but we'll talk about that more at the end but um in the early 90s uh Concerned with long-term declining milk sales, California's largest milk processors voted to fund a marketing board that would be charged with creating advertising dedicated to selling milk. The processors agreed to finance the California Milk Processor Board by contributing three cents for every gallon of milk they processed. This assessment allowed for a $23 million per year marketing budget. On a per capita basis, California's population was roughly 20% of the U.S. This budget approximated those of the largest national auto, beer, finance, and pharmaceutical brands. The processors, I know, the processors agreed that they would assess the board's effectiveness every three years. As their first act, the board hired... um, Jeff Manning, and he reported to um, the California Milk Processing Boards uh, of nine representatives. Oh, 
that is a lot of money. Like, especially to like outdo a pharmaceutical company. Like, oh my gosh. I know. I'm just like, oh, we're going to talk a little bit um, at the end about like what was going on. But there were like surpluses of milk, I think, in a way where, um, you know, cars have to you know, there's like a longer time with some of these other things, whereas like milk, you have cows and they have to be milked. So whereas like you can control the production of of cars and pharmaceuticals and other, you know, items. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what really stuck out to me. It's like one, were people not drinking as much milk in the eighties and nineties and like two, yeah, that is just a ridiculous amount of money per year, like 23 million. Like you can do some, you can move some mountains with that type of money. Yeah. So we're going to talk more about this again at the end, but that is a good point in question. Um, so I'll just talk a little bit about it now. Um, during world war one, um, there that people realized they could uh ship powdered milk and i think some other kind of milk to soldiers during the war so a lot of production companies just even altogether stopped making um other products and just focused on powdered milk um so then after world war one we had all these factories making milk but then nobody needed it and so that's kind of where this whole problem originated. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I'm glad I have that. Because have you ever tried powdered milk? No, and I don't. Ever well, I guess, I guess you know, I, I haven't tried powdered milk, but I have used like powdered creamer in coffee before. I don't know if that counts. Actually, I think, yeah, you might be right, because I'm the same way. I've never tried powdered milk, but yeah. Powdered, I don't really powdered, powdered, powdered milk. milk. <laughs> yeah, powdered milk. Um, I yeah, personally never oh, tried it, but actually, I've had Nestle powdered chocolate milk. Oh, have you? Yeah, yeah, I have. I used to eat that stuff dry. <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> I'm sure that's bad for you, Shannon. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's good. Anyways, I forgot. I guess so. I guess kind of. I don't know if it's like the same concept of yeah, like soldiers sure. were drinking. Yeah, I'm sure the soldiers in World War II were at least drinking a little, something a little bit different. Because I can only imagine. Yeah. Like, I can see it compacted and just uh, like I don't want to mix that in with water or whatever the fuck, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you're in World War II. You got to do what you got to do, I guess. <laughs> I don't. I think it was World War One, but maybe it was World War Two. I might have. I don't remember. Do you? No, no, not really. Anyways, uh, it's irrelevant. There was a surplus of milk, and that's <laughs> what, <laughs> what happened. Nice. Let's continue uh, on with this Jeff guy. He, he's really interesting, yes. me. So in June 1993, Jeff Manning uh, was executive director appointed by the California Milk Processing Board to revive sagging milk consumption in California. Um, He's now a marketing strategist and um, like a speaker. And his current website is uh, www.gotmanning.com, which I thought was funny. Uh, (laughs) 
So uh, in July of 93, he hired San Francisco ad agency Goodby, Silverstein, and Partners to create a new ad campaign for milk. Uh, Manning said, we weren't going to turn around a 15-year decline in per capita in one year, but we did believe that at, that at least for certain portions of the population, we could flatten it out and start to move it up. Yeah, it's a lot to what do. A think? lot of people all across the U.S. drink milk, so that's a Herculean task. What? Uh, we'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> um, so prior to the California uh, Milk Board thing mm-hmm. um, being formed, the California Milk Advisory Board had for many years produced the Milk Does a Body Good ad campaign. The campaign echoed the government's nutrition program, which encouraged people to drink a few glasses of milk each day to maintain their health. As Manning took over, consumers evidently still believed that milk was nutritious. 93 or 4% of the people already said that milk was good for you, Manning recalled, and 90% said it had calcium, and a fair percentage said that calcium helped prevent osteoporosis. The problem was that the old ads didn't change the consumers' behaviors. And consumers, and especially kids and teens, still considered milk to be as boring as a beverage could possibly be. Since people thought milk was good for them, but the sales were failing anyway, Manning felt that his first decision was handed to him. He would abandon the nutrition theme. Yeah, you know, the one thing that sticked out to me whenever you mentioned that was the osteoporosis thing. I had an irrational fear whenever I was younger that I would just wither and die. All my bones would just have holes in them, like tiny little holes. Oh I could just snap and shit like that. And that's weird to think about because that's one of the reasons why I drink milk. Like, because. Yeah, everybody drinks it like with milk and cookies or, you know, milk and cookies, whatever. That's like the typical thing. But um, I actually drink just glasses of milk, you know, to make up for it, you know, I guess, like without Oreos or whatever the hell. Um, Yeah. And so, yeah, it's it's funny to think that that I have that that fear of like I was just going to wither and die. Yeah, you know, that's so funny you say that because uh, one of my coworkers, the one who remembered uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, uh, she was like, I fell for those ads. I thought I needed to, like, drink milk to, like, save my bones and all of this stuff. And I just thought that was so funny that she was like, no, <laughs> this is what I have to do. Hey, you know, it's a scary yeah. sounding word, osteoporosis. <laughs> Right? Sounds like it does. Well, I mean, it is a disease, but (laughs) 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 But, yeah, it sounds super scary. (laughs) Yeah. As a child, I would be like, no, I'm going to turn into my grandma or my grandpa. I know. (laughs) No, I got to drink milk. (laughs) Oh, shit. Oh, gosh. Sorry. I'm on Struggle Street. I've uh, made mistakes. Um, here we go. Okay, here we go. Anyways, so, um, 
so Manning, kind of like these kids, um, also considered milk boring, um, compared to like all of these new products, there were different colored beverages, um, creative packaging, all of these new drinks were coming out and milk had an image problem. Um, milk was still associated with, uh, domesticity and it was apparent to him that most consumers were no longer excited by the tamed life. Um, and I think that's funny to associate milk with that because it feels accurate. (laughs) (laughs) How so? I kind of want to dig deeper into that. Really? Yeah, like, yeah. I feel like why do you why do you think milk is like that? Like looked at like that? It's so dull. Like yeah. you know, I think of I think of breakfast, and yeah, obviously, like you know, at least in the like Sopranos or like Daily Life, like you would all gather right before you're going to work, and you're like sitting around the table, like trying to you know down a bowl of cereal or whatever and i think that's maybe why i think of it like that um it's like always in the home like i would never drink a glass of milk out in the open like in public yeah that's a really good point it's always just like at home like yeah that is so true like i guess that's like the domestic side of milk like you're I don't know. You're not at a bar, like, <laughs> right. hey. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a, a milk bar. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Lord. I'm sorry. Yeah, I just had to mention that. So, yeah. So, at this time, milk is, like, trying to compete with youthful rebellion, eclectic individuality, and street-smart fashion. Um, it's kind of funny, like, in a few of our episodes this kind of wave we've alluded to the early 90s and that's when this is going on so it's like I don't think we're gonna see like grunge rock stars with their milk mustaches you know um yeah, so like, yeah. like Green Day is not gonna like do an ad with them, <laughs> like exactly. But the brands that were like kind of jumping on the youth culture were like Gatorade, Snapple, Mountain Dew, and even Sprite. Um, so I just thought that was uh, intriguing. Huh. Yeah, I wonder how they like went uh, went about selecting um, different like celebrities or you know known figures or whatever in their thing like did they talk about it beforehand or did they just like reach out to everybody and be like yo you want to do a got milk <laughs> campaign ad i'm sure like it was probably just like pr for the celebrity as well you know kind of like a joint effort right right um because a lot of celebrities like like i think i read that the most they spent like on an ad campaign would be like $25,000 but most celebrities actually get a lot more than that for um being like a spokesperson for an ad or whatever um and most celebrities would just like donate the money they got from the ad campaign to like a charity or something like that um so i i would imagine it was kind of just like a mix between like the celebrity needing some pr and got milk you know 
needing some attention on milk. <laughs> huh. It's interesting to think about because actually, now that you mention it, I am thinking of how things in today's world like go trending, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it was kind of like that, like because I feel like whenever Taylor Swift yes! put out her new album, that's whenever like you know um, a whole bunch of you know ad, like that got milk ad or whatever was um, like debuted or whatever you want to call it. Um, yes. And then around the Olympics, that's when all those Olympic ones would come through or whatever. Yes. Oh my God, you're right. Duh. Um, but yeah, so I think too, it's like, yes, just how attuned um, the whole brand was to what was trending before trending was even a word that was used like that. Um, it's, they were really smart. <laughs> and they had their, their, Finger on the pulse, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, okay. I don't know if that's the right, the right phrase. Um, so the Got Milk campaign was first developed at uh, Goodby Silverstein and Partners in San Francisco by creative directors Jeff Goodby and Rich Silverstein, art director Eric Joyner, copywriter Scott Burns, and Chuck McBride. Um, agency producer Cindy Epps, and then there was someone I really didn't want to forget. Oh, and Tara Tara Winkler, and we'll get to her role here in a second. Um, Jeff Goodby and Rich Silverstein said that the phrase almost didn't turn into an advertising campaign, according to the New York Times. People at Goodby's Goodby Silverstein thought thought that it was lazy not to mention grammatically incorrect <laughs> yeah yeah it, it was and when i read that in the outline i was like oh my god i never noticed like like i i was just so enthralled with the like ad campaign or whatever like it was like not a second thought or whatever it's funny how that works yeah yeah and then i think this is good too so um in 1993 um they had a they created a focus group that was headed by John Steele, a partner at the San Francisco-based advertising uh, firm, uh, Goodby Silverstein and Partners, um, and they asked in the study for respondents not to consume milk for a week prior to participating in the study. Steele's aim was to gather information about milk habits that would inform his pitch to a new client the California Milk Processor Board, which was looking for creative strategies to boost sales. And so the origin of the Got Milk slogan is almost comically banal. After John Steele relayed the results from the focus group to uh, the partners, they held a meeting to plan the next steps. A colleague, Tara Winkler, asked Goodby what he'd call the what wait, what they would call that part of the meeting. I don't know. It's about running out of milk, Goodby recalls saying. Why don't we call it got milk with the question mark? Huh. Um, and so I just noted that uh, one rule of thumb in advertising is with fast-moving package goods, it's easier to get current customers to consume more than it is to convert new users. 
So it's easier to get people who are already drinking milk to drink more milk than it is to get people who aren't drinking milk to drink it. Right. Yeah. I feel, huh. I wonder, I, I'd love to meet a person who has never dr- drinking milk, drank milk. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's an odd one. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, babies who who are on the formula. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Okay, so Goodby's team fielded qualitative research and learned that many consumers linked milk with sweet, sticky snacks. Pushing further, the researchers flipped around the question. How do people feel when they're eating something that demanded milk to wash it down, but don't have milk in the house? Focus group respondents placed in this situation were upset. They felt deprived. They were able to convey viscerally the feeling of having a brownie or cookie remnant stuck in their throat, calling out for a gulp of milk to cleanse the palate. Goodby and his team used this consumer insight as the spark for what came to be called the deprivation strategy. Rather than selling milk as a complement to certain foods, instead, the strategy became to remind milk drinkers of the anxiety and disappointment that came when milk wasn't available at crucial moments, Gibby and his team would sell the lack of product. Shannon, I have to say that is like before hearing you say that, that's so fucking interesting. Cause you don't, you don't think about that. You don't think about that really whenever you're discussing milk, like at least milk is a topic itself. Like you're not thinking yeah. of like it being companion piece to, you know, like a fucking Oreo or something, you know? Um, I know. I mean, th- I mean, that's an Oreo's like spiel, but you know, um, yeah, that's, I just I have to say that's fucking interesting. But it's so true. Like there's nothing worse than having a package of Oreos, but not having any milk. Or like a really fudgy brownie or something like that. Yes, oh. chocolate chip cookies. Ooh, uh, yeah, yeah. Damn, that sounds good. I might do that after the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Tara Winkler, she scribbled the got milk question mark included on a piece of foam core that hung on a wall. Staring at it during the meeting, could be imagined early ideas for commercials that ended with, as he calls it, this crazy little bonsai tagline. In one fantasy, a cookie truck and a milk truck are in high pursuit on the highway. As the chase progresses, it's revealed that the man driving the cookie truck has his mouth full of cookies. He needs milk. I had a lot of these dog stories that went all over the place, and that ended with the linchpin, Goodby says. Huh. I like that idea. They should have did it. I wonder if they did do it. Right? It probably exists. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Um, no, this was the part that we talked about in our last podcast a lot that is still so wild to me. Um, but the first Scott Milk ad was shot by director and graduate of the Art Center for College of Design, um, Michael Bay, through propaganda films. Back when Michael Bay was still just a young, up-and-coming director, he got his work where he could find it. The early Bay days saw him shooting music videos, making a name for himself as the auteur responsible for translating the music of Vanilla Ice, Winger, 
Aerosmith, Tina Turner, Meatloaf, Styx, and Donny Osmond to television. Delete. Go ahead. What were you going to say? No, no, finish up. But during this period, Bay also directed another even more essential piece of 90s culture. The very first Got Milk ad. I was just going to say the late and great Meatloaf. R.I.P. I know. I know. Like a bad out of hell. Anyway. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we should tribute our Rocky Horror episode to him. Yes, yes. Agreed. Right here, right now. Agreed. Done. Done. Done did. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I think I may have mentioned this a second ago, but the first Got Milk advertisement aired nationwide on October 29th, 1993, <laughs> which featured a hapless historian played by Sean Whalen receiving a call to answer a radio station's $10,000 trivia question, voiced by Rob Paulson. Who shot Alexander Hamilton in that famous duel, referring to the Burr-Hamilton duel? The man is shown to have an entire museum solely for the duel itself, packed with all the artifacts. He answers the question correctly by saying Aaron Burr, but because of but because his mouth is full of peanut butter sandwich and he does not have milk to wash it down, his answer is unintelligible. The DJ promptly hangs up on him. The ad <laughs> uh, was at the top of the advertising industry's award circuit in 1994. In 2002, the ad was named one of the 10 best commercials of all time by a USA Today poll and was run again nationwide that same year. Wow. You know, I was talking with uh, a few of my sisters in regards to the episode we were doing today, and I mentioned that Michael Bay did a commercial for it, and they were like, was there an explosion in it? Right? <laughs> like, Lots of people keep asking. Was was too. there a transformer in it? <laughs> you know, like, no, just some guy with peanut butter in his mouth. Yeah, that would be really cool. They should do a transformer one with like the milk oh mustache. God. That would be funny. Yes! <laughs> How did, I bet that exists. Surely it does. Oh, surely. I have to Google that. Transformers <laughs> got milk. Bad. Oh, I don't think it exists. Damn, Shannon, we just came up on a on a uh, an idea for the ages. Heck yeah, <laughs> make that happen, right? I'm sure Michael Bay. Like, I'm sure that was a he was a recent graduate from it, right? Uh, that that school he went to. Yeah, whenever he uh, did this, he he had just uh, done those like music videos, but oh, uh, right, right. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Maybe maybe he would feel nostalgic about it and do a Transformers and an explosion. <laughs> yeah. Campaign. I love it. Well, I guess we'll talk about it in a second, but I think the Got Milk campaign doesn't really exist anymore. So yeah. I don't know. Let's let's. Um. So I guess there's these awards called the Clio Awards. Um, they're an annual award program that recognizes innovation and creative excellence in advertising, design, and communication. Um, and in 2009, they recognized um, the Got Milk ad and the Got Milk um, 
in, into their Hall of Fame. Sorry, I wrote into the Got Milk Hall of Fame, but uh, probably was already there. Um, but that was 15 years after um, awards for the commercial at the Cannes International Advertising Festival in 1994. Um, so yeah, it, it won a bunch of awards. Uh, and then I thought this was funny because as uh, soon as I watched that, I was like, oh my gosh, this came out in the 90s, but Hamilton is so big today. I was like, oh, yeah. how how wonderful. Right. Um, in 2015, the YouTube page for the musical Hamilton, they uploaded a parody of the Who Shot Alexander Hamilton advertisement in which the man eating peanut butter is played um, by Leslie Odom Jr., who played Aaron Burr and the original Broadway cast of the show. Um, and the video ends with the classic slogan on a black screen, but they parried it. They parodied it to read Got Hamilton. (laughs) That's funny. That's funny. Uh, I love Leslie Odom Jr. He's just Me too. He's so talented. Oh, yeah. Um, But I just like, what a cool, like, of all the things and of all the ways to connect advertising and capitalize on it. Right. Uh, I was... (laughs) I kind of respect it in this case. Because <laughs> I'm sure that's nostalgic for them. Right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so after this, there were more commercials. Um, after the first round of commercials, Manning pushed to get the milk processing board to license the slogan, slogan to food brands like Oreos and Cheerios free of charge. Why don't we work with these food companies? Um, Manning remembers telling the board. The dairy industry would never do that because milk was on a good-for-you strategy at that time. Well, if they're on this strategy, you don't work with Oreos. We did. Nabisco eventually marketed a Got Milk Oreo where Got Milk was embossed on a cookie. Girl Scout cookies were next, followed by a massive brand of an entirely different order. Ready for it, David? Sure. Mattel! Oh, shit. (laughs) Oh, my God. A Barbie? Mattel, who manufactured Barbies, got us on board. Think about that. Mattel (laughs) manufacturing millions of Barbies for us. (laughs) Wait, what did they slap? Did they emboss got milk on Barbie or something? Like, give Barbie a got milk tattoo? (laughs) I think there there might have even been like a got milk Barbie. Oh, she has a milk mustache. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Mattel again. Um, oh my goodness. This should be conspiracy corner for all of our episodes. I know. I think there's something just like connected between like evils of capitalism and Mattel. Like Mattel's controlling it. For I real don't though. know how. I don't know how. They've got their finger on the pulse. Right. Oh my goodness. <laughs> of it. Um, but yeah, kind of to your point earlier, um, it was just like a wellspring of stars of film, TV, sports, and politics. Um, a swap meet of high and low where Bill Clinton and Bob Dole occupied the same advertising universe as Van Halen and Dennis Rodman. It's just so funny to think about just all of the characters. And I thought this was interesting. And Susan Sontag is a 
very like renowned photographer. Mm -hmm. Um, and at the time, um, that got milk was rising Annie Leibovitz was her partner and she photographed more than 180 of the got milk ads and um, back then when magazine ad spending peaked at 9.4 percent of all U.S. advertising dollars compared to 6.5 in 2015 and one ad might appear in a dozen different magazines the same month the photographer sensed how huge the campaign's reach could be. Um, and so that kind of speaks to my point. Like, there were all those different magazines people were reading at the time um, because you're in the checkout line even or whatever, and you see them there, um, and you're just, you know, surrounded by this. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, and you're a primary source for that sort of stuff. Yeah, you could be too if you ever went to a grocery store as oh, a child. Uh, eh, well, <laughs> I was typically looking at my feet ready to get out of the store. <laughs> I hate being at the grocery store. It sucks. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I threw this in here. I don't really know how relevant it is. I just thought it was kind of interesting mm -hmm. Um. that in 2001, you could be created a Spanish language television ad called La Llorona, uh, and it was based on a Mexican folk tale about a woman who drowned her children to spite her adulterous husband. Eternally sorry, she wandered through the earth as a ghost in search of her lost children. She's kind of the boogeyman in Mexico, could be explained. The interesting thing about this ad was that um, the Latinx community or the Hispanic community thought that it was funny. Non-Hispanics, could be noted, thought that it was some sort of tie-in to a ghost movie. La Llorona also satisfied Manning's desire to make ads that generated their own publicity. The ad received lavish media coverage because it was the first Spanish-language spot to be broadcast on Anglo television. So, I was wondering this earlier. Does this connect with god milk in any way or is this just a separate ad all like all together i don't know <laughs> yeah i thought that was a weird one um i can see how yeah the publicity what? thing like ooh, like this is different <laughs> you know no yeah i but think it was a got milk ad what was it huh yeah hang on i think i found it but i'm scared I'm scared. No, I don't think I'm gonna watch it. You'll save it. Don't give yourself nightmares, uh, <laughs> But there's a comment on here. I just I googled "Got Milk La Llorona" and I clicked the first first video, mm -hmm. and there's a comment on here. It says, "After seeing this commercial, there was a mix of compassion and also cultural interest for the legend of La Llorona." Compassion foremost in her denial of milk in this comical twist on the f famous Hispanic ghost story. Oh my gosh. If she had her kids, they would be drinking a lot more milk. <laughs> oh, should I watch this? Oh, someone said it adds a whole new meaning to don't cry over spilled milk. Okay, <laughs> that's, <funny. laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess it is like a got milk ad. My huh. bad. Interesting. I'll have to watch that later. 
Um, I'm scared too, but let me know how it is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, um, research data showed that consumers steadily drink less milk as they aged and that their shift away from drinking milk began around the age of 10. As young consumers progressed through their teen years, their milk consumption subtly declined while their consumption of other beverages steadily increased. Consumers between 18 and 14 drank 44 gallons of soft drinks, but they only gave, they only drank um, 17.2 gallons of milk. Um, in 2001, Manning convinced the board that the CMPB needed to uh, needed a website to promote the Got Milk campaign on the internet. The website would pique consumers' interest in the Got Milk campaign as popular culture, but more importantly, it would serve as a vehicle to promote products with the Got Milk slogan. Manning was looking for any way possible that he could trigger consumers' deprivation feelings oh it, he was searching for any way possible that he could can that he could trigger the feeling of deprivation in consumers homes uh, of milk again back to that deprivation strategy mm-hmm. so he introduced a line of kitchen products <laughs> that get the message within feet of the refrigerator gibby produced ads to promote these items the first advertised baby bottles printed with the got milk logo and the second promoted got milk oven mitts. Subsequently, the CMB, CMPB sold a number of kitchen, kitchen items such as baby bids, aprons, and dish towels. Likewise, Manning sought to time his media buys. So, oh, sorry, I see it. He sought to time his media buys to when people were most likely in a milk deprivation situation. He had televised Aaron so that commercial during the dinner hours and was increasingly buying late night television time. People ate midnight snacks, he reasoned, which are often milk-friendly brownies or cookies or even milk-dependent cereal. We wanted to remind them that when they were within 30 feet of the refrigerator, that it was a good time to have a snack that went with milk. Another good, uh, I, not the best idea, but it's, it. I mean, it does something to your psyche whenever you see something like that. So I get that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. And I feel like, too, a lot of times when I, I will say every once in a while, not a lot of times, I guess, but every once in a while I wake up in the night and a glass of milk does sound kind of good because I know it'll be filling you know right yeah it'll put you back to or like a warm glass of milk you know like i was used to my mom always used to do that for me like heat up a glass of milk and um warm milk put you to sleep yeah my mom used to do that too it doesn't really put me to sleep but i don't mind it yeah no, warm milk, <laughs> not, not bad not bad um uh so let's see where um so statistical data indicates that the milk mustache campaign didn't influence long-term behavior according to a report by cobank over a 30-year period from 1970 to 2010 milk consumption has declined nationally from 28.6 gallons to 20.9 gallons 
even in California, where the dairy industry is a multi-billion dollar business, milk sales are dwindling. There are many reasons for this. Competition from dairy alternatives and healthier lifestyle choices are chief among them, but it also suggests that the tagline, got milk, became more memorable than effective. In 2014, um, the Milk Pep Board retired the Got Milk campaign and replaced it with its current tagline, Milk Life. I don't know. I hate it. I I don't get it. Um, Gone are the milk mustachioed celebrities, replaced with Olympians' mothers who narrate memories of their children's work ethic. I think that celebrities started taking on a different meaning for Americans, says Julia Cadison, the current CEO of Milk Pep. So this is like what the milk board is now. Um, Mm -hmm. And Cadison said, we heard from our focus groups that, well, any celebrity is just going to show for a product. The other thing that was happening is that people were so focused on the next mustache celebrity that they uh weren't taking away the message of the ad so they weren't buying milk basically is what she's saying um we needed to shake things up so by having olympians mothers say that their children drink milk you should drink more milk (laughs) yeah i guess that is right then because I was always one to be like, yo, who's going to be it next? Is it going to be somebody that, like, is it going to be Metallica or something? Like, I love Metallica. Like, <laughs> like you know, I've, I was always curious, like, what they were going to bring in, what celebrity they were going to bring in next. So I get that 100%. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, but it's just kind of funny, like... I don't know. I feel like making it the mothers of Olympians now, it's just kind of like reinforcing this false idea that milk is going to turn you into an Olympian. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, who knows, right? Drink up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that kind of brings us this, this episode. I really loved uh, putting it together because it just flowed so well because this lot in itself brings us to our conspiracy corner. Um, and there's this general idea that Americans have, and I'm, maybe it's Westerners generally, have this idea that we have to drink milk in order to be healthy, even though there are plenty of foods that give us these same benefits of milk. Um, in fact, a quarter of all Americans can't even digest milk. Huh. Yeah, my my mom is lactose, so like we grew up with it too. Like she never, she would never, you know, um, she'd always heat up the milk for me, but she would never, Aww. she'd never drink it herself. So yeah, it's yeah, funny. yeah. Um, so lactose intolerance has, you know, it just dates back. Uh, I watched in this video that noted that uh, Nancy Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln's mother died of milk sickness from cows who ate snake root, which is like a poisonous plant. Oh. Um, Interesting. But even um, after this time, um, milk, uh, they created ways to safely transport it by pasteurizing it. Um, So it started to become kind of a bigger deal. Um, And I mean, even before it was pushed to schools, um, 
as being a part of the food pyramid, prohibitionists pitched milk-based products as an alternative to spirits, which I thought was interesting. Just just the thought of alcohol and and milk in the same sentence just uh, curdles my stomach. (laughs) For real, though, like pun intended. (laughs) Don't you like white Russians? I love white Russians. I love them. But it is an odd... It is not combo. Now that, okay, I'm total hypocrite. <laughs> I'm total <laughs> hypocrite here. Yeah, because uh, I love a white Russian, yeah. But, I mean, they're... Yeah, it's funny to think about someone just, like, pushing a martini glass full of milk at you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, could go to a bar and be like, one chocolate milk, please. What's... Give me an old... Give me the old brown cow. <laughs> 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 the old brown cow I love it <laughs> oh shit that's so funny I had something right behind him but that, that just <laughs> sorry <laughs> the old brown cow I love it oh my goodness anyways <laughs> uh, if it comes back I'll let you know <laughs> okay um So we have that happening. And then later on, uh, federal dietary guidelines recommend three servings of dairy a day. Um, And this is in part because the dairy industry is just this powerful economic force. Um, And they have this, you know, uh, product that people need and that kind of gives them this certain amount of power um, to decide what happens with it. Um, and like I mentioned, I wrote World War One here, but I could have just forgotten I. That is very possible. So it could be World War One or World War Two, but in regardless, one of the wars, there was uh, canned and powdered milk. That was the other one, ah, canned milk. Right. Uh, they were sent overseas, um, and many farmers shifted to focusing on milk production because of that. Um, they could sell it to the government that way and make more money. Um, their other products weren't selling as much because it was a depression. Right. Um, so shifting to that um, during the war was beneficial for them. But after the war, there's a surplus of milk production, And the federal government uses subsidies to buy um, uh, large amounts of the surplus. Um, The Reagan administration put a stop to the buying program. Um, What else? What what's that phrase? What what more could we expect? And, but dairy farmers still convinced Congress to change the rules so that they could create something called a dairy checkoff. So a dairy checkoff is where dairy farmers would pay into a checkoff with a mandatory fee. And then that fee would go towards advertising campaigns aimed at making people buy more milk. And so that is um, in part where funding for got milk comes from. Oh, wow. That's that's interesting. I like you might as well just start it right at the right at the base of the production pipeline. Exactly. Um, now, I didn't put this in here, but it's in um, one of the videos linked to the show notes. So um, this sort of uh, 
thing creates a lot of problems when it comes to smaller farms compared to uh, like mega farms. So a lot of the times um, corporate farms will get more of these subsidies than smaller farms will, um, which really hurts the smaller farms. Um, a lot of the times, like the systems we have in place to ship and export surplus milk aren't um, very well planned or developed yet um, because COVID really did throw some of these processes for a loop. Um, so I'm not holding anyone at fault for not having those ideas yet, but hopefully something will be thought of um, for a long time. Um, the government was even storing the surplus of milk in these underground storage tanks. Um, so yeah. Hmm. And then kind of before we wrap up here uh, this is just like I kind of mentioned at the beginning one of the ways you could take this is certainly um, by approaching it through a health and wellness um, industry perspective Um, and one of my co-workers the JTT co-worker she mentioned this uh, doctor to me his name is uh, Dr. Gregor spacing his first name right now um he has this popular website i think it's called nutritionpacks.org or something like that um and i did kind of find he he's a little bit of a controversial figure but i couldn't find a whole lot out there about him so if you can find more about how he's problematic feel free to share that with us um the only main problem i could find with him is that uh he tends to point to studies that um, uh, support his claims without necessarily uh, investigating the studies themselves or presenting the information appropriately. Um, But he does refer to a study that um, seems relatively valid to me that um, it's called... Uh, a population study called Milk Intake and Risk of Mortality and Fractures in Women and Men. So in this study, researchers followed more than 100,000 men and women in Sweden for about 20 years and found significantly higher rates of bone and hip fractures, heart disease, cancer, and premature death in general for women who drink more milk. Um, three glasses a day was associated with nearly twice the risk of dying early, early, um, men with higher milk consumption were also recorded having higher risk of premature death. Um, a meta-analysis of all such cohort studies, however, failed to find a significant relationship between milk and mortality. Um, so, uh, it's not really keeping you alive, but it could be making you die. Uh, nobody really knows. Milk is like eggs. It's constantly going back and forth. Yeah. And I'm triggered because that's the osteoporosis thing that I was talking about earlier. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm going to be, I, I haven't, God knows, I, I haven't drank a glass of milk in days. Really? No, I mean, probably. not days, excuse me, days. Like, like it's been years, I think. Well, I take that back. I've drank milk in the last year. But I can't remember the last time I drank milk, so. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember the I last time milk. you had a glass of milk? Like, just by itself. 
Oh, probably a couple weeks ago. I like to eat it if I'm eating like chocolate or something like that. Hmm. Um, and I pour it in coffee all the time though. Oh. So like today. True. <laughs> so yeah, today. Nah, yeah, glass by itself. It's been it's been a long time, long long time. Uh, Shannon, I think that's really the research for us, right? Yeah, wow. Did we do a podcast in like under an hour? I know, right? <laughs> um, I actually have, I, that was my thinking cap question. I was, um, I'm thinking of it being, let me ask you, how influential do you think the campaign itself was it like on yourself? Like, how influential was it um, to you, I guess, like, if at all? Yeah. Oh, as far as like drinking milk, yeah. not at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, it didn't, it didn't. not at all. Uh, uh, but I think it, 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 it's so pervasive, though. And I feel like we say that a lot about a lot of our topics, but that's kind of the point, I guess. Um, right. You just you see these subtle references to it. And it's so strange to think that in like, 10 years there's gonna be you know people who are our age now who are not gonna have any inkling of got milk you know right yeah it's interesting to think that they'll probably be drinking almond milk for their whole lives rather than actually right. a glass of milk or whatever so. right or even oat milk or whatever right exactly i don't know or they'll just have it in their coffee like you and i do <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> you know well, Shannon, let's get into our takeaways. Um, do you want to go first today? Yeah, so I think, um, like I said, there's a bunch of different ways you could take this story. But for me, it was really kind of focusing on the advertising strategy because I think, you know, in comparison to Magic Earring Kin and the way we talked about how Mattel advertised for Barbie mm -hmm. got milk really kind of did everything right as far as being a memorable advertising campaign from the kickoff. Um, the Aaron Burr uh, initial ad is it's really good and funny even now, yeah. um, especially now with the existence of Ham Hamilton, like, how just incredible for that to, I don't know, just coincide and, and come together in the same, you know, what is it, 100 years, I don't know, century. The fact that those two things could collide like that is so funny. Right. Um, Who, Alexander me, Hamilton was definitely not thinking of milk when he was dueling. So it's, Right? <laughs> and then it's like, then you have this musical, and then you have this, or then you have this ad, and then you have this musical. Like, just so incredible and then for them to recognize they need to pivot to the internet like it's just the, the finger on the pulse and this is how you do advertising and I also feel like that's kind of the what I so favor about this is because like they were excited to create these ads they weren't necessarily trying to sell milk i feel like right they were coming up with interesting ad ideas rather than focusing on milk itself 
Yes, they were literally selling got milk, but they weren't selling any milk. And it's like, I I feel kind of bad for them. But also just the fact that it's so memorable, I think they should see that as a success. And I love that. And I think it goes to show you that when you're not motivated by money, you can really still create art. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I guess for me, yeah, it's that it's that really... I don't know. Um, that foresight that I guess once they got the got milk like slogan with, with the question mark, not without the question mark. Um, that's when it kind of took off and it's kind of, it makes me think of, we were talking about in a previous episode about how to like analyze data and then move forward with what you learn from that data or those findings or whatever. And I think that these advertisers like, damn, they should, they should, they should like start back up Mad Men and do a Mad Men <laughs> episode about that. Yes. You know? um, so like, it's just, it's funny to think how, not, I wouldn't say necessarily influential an ad campaign can be, but, how in the zeitgeist it can be like be, it can be placed in the zeitgeist and be a big proponent of you know like we're still talking about it to this day that's why we're doing this episode on it so yeah i think you know for me a good comparison of a brand that may even be doing a better job in a way ish is like nike with their just do it campaign yeah. and supporting black lives matter i think that that um shows that you know they're potentially exiling a group of consumers in favor of um a, a moral system which i i think is really a really powerful statement but at the same time it's still a marketing strategy and you so you you still have to be critical of of advertising and its motivations yeah and i guess maybe that's why it works so well with them is that they kind of disconnected the the act of drinking milk to the act of (laughs) advertising milk i guess you know yeah but then you still got to admit, like, how much did they really know about milk? <laughs> Probably not much. <laughs> Probably not Just much. A, it cleans your mouth when your mouth feels sticky. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you, finger on the pulse, finger on the pulse. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, so I think that's where we're going to kind of wrap it up today. I uh, just want to let everybody know, if you want to show your support for Into the Zeitgeist, uh, consider going and subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash WDM1. Also, consider joining our Facebook and Instagram pages to know when new episodes go live. Uh, you know what I learned, Shannon, this week? That Facebook, or excuse me, not Facebook, Spotify now has uh, like ratings and reviews, so if the audience feels the need to uh, go over there to Spotify and review us, uh, please do so. I I would love that. Um, Shannon, what are we going to be talking about next time? Um, It says Quiet Storm. Yeah, so I put this in here. It is a radio format uh, back in the 90s. Hold on, maybe I can give you a little snippet of, hey, Shannon, we're going to play the rockin' 80s, you know, like it's just that very monotone like 
it was always late night i believe it was like late night radio where people would just kind of have that monotone like it was playing jazz and stuff like that and i think we'll get more into it um next week but kind of like i just i just saw the yes yeah like uh, that's i mean it was a part of black culture um the, like I don't the know. way he talks yeah smooth. yeah that's a what's great... that word like oh there's like a word i can't think of it right now hmm. it'll come to me yeah maybe yeah. when we do the episode when it's appropriate yeah so we're gonna be talking about a radio format next week which i'm really excited for so yeah i think that'll be cool shannon well, but I it'll that's... be next time, not next week. Probably. Not next week. Yes, next time. <laughs> we'll see you in two weeks' time. But Shannon, uh, I gotta go drink some milk. I gotta go warm up some milk and then take a nap. <laughs> I gotta go milk a cow. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Zeitgeist is a bi-weekly podcast recorded in the DFW, Austin, and San Antonio areas in the state of Texas. The podcast is hosted, produced, and edited by me, David Lonnie Waters. My co-host and researcher for the show is Shannon Boffman. As you know, all of our shows are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash WDM1. The following names are at the producer support level or higher on Patreon, and for that, we're stoked for your sponsorship. Lone Star Aeronautics, Sharon, and Keegan Gunther.